is this? John Proctor, sir. Elizabeth Proctor is my wife. Beware this man, Your Excellency. This man is mischief. I think you must hear the girl, sir. She... Pray. Mary Warren, what would you tell us? She would say she never saw no spirits. Never saw no spirits? Never. Some say a tragedy involves a choice. That is 50-50. A character has to make a choice that has a 50% chance to be right and a 50% chance to be wrong. As we reach the climax of the play in Act 3 of Arthur Miller's The Crucible, such a tragedy befalls John and Elizabeth Proctor. The setting of Act 3 of The Crucible takes place in the vestry room of the Salem Church that has now been turned into the waiting room for the Salem Court. Rebecca Nurse, Martha Corey, and Elizabeth Proctor have all been accused of witchcraft and their husbands all come to court intending to offer evidence to free their wives. I come today not to hurt the court. I come only to the say... The pure of heart need no lawyers, Mr. Proctor. Proceed as you will. Will you read this first? It is a testament of sorts. The people signing it declare the good opinion of Rebecca and my wife. Their good opinion? These are members of the church. I would ask you to remember the people signing it have known these women many years, and never have they seen signs of dealings with Lucifer. Hmm. How many names are here, sir? Ninety-one, Your Excellency. These people should be summoned for questioning. Mr. Danforth, I gave them all my word no harm would come to them for signing this. This is a clear attack upon the courts. Mr. Paris, is every defense an attack upon the courts, sir? These are all covenanted Christians. Then you may be sure that they may have nothing to fear. Mr. Cheever. Have warrants drawn for all of these. Arrest for examination. Giles Corey tries to present evidence that shows that greed is motivating the accusations. He claims that Thomas Putnam is killing his neighbors for their land. When asked for the source of this claim, Corey remains mute. He refuses to give up the name, which actually leads to one of the most dramatic examples of irony that exists in the play. Now, sir... The, sir, the church and central government demand of you the name of him who reported Mr. Thomas Putnam a common murderer. Excellency. Mr. Hale. If we cannot blink it more. There is a prodigious fear of the court in this country, sir. Reproach me not with the fear in the country. There is fear in the country because there is a prodigious plot to topple Christ in the country. But it does not follow that everyone that come accused is a part of it, sir. No uncorrupted man may fear this court, Mr. Hale. Mr. Corey, you are under arrest and contempt of this court. I'll cut your throat, but I'll kill you yet. Judge Danforth, who is overseeing the proceedings of the Salem witch trials, is very Old Testament. He sees the witch trials as the ultimate act of ridding evil from the world. He sees it as an ultimate battle between good and evil. He states very clearly that there is no in-between. You are either with the court or you are against it. We burn a hot fire here, sir. It melts down all concealment. I know that, sir. Are you certain in your conscience, mister, that your evidence is the truth? It is, and you will surely see it. And you thought to declare this an open court before the public? With your permission, I, I would. The last hope to free the wives comes from John Proctor. He has come to discredit Abigail and the girls and reveal them to be frauds. Danforth brings Abigail's and the girls into the courtroom 
and it almost seems as if the girl's claims are going to collapse. But then Abigail, in a bit of mischief, starts to claim that Mary Warren is starting to bewitch them. At which John Proctor finally, in a bit of desperation, reveals his affair with Abigail. You charge that she's a whore? It is a lie! Mark her! Now she may suck a scream out to stab me with. This will not pass. You'll prove this. I have known her! You are a lecher? John! You cannot say such a- In what time? In what place? In the proper place. Where my beasts are bedded. On the last night of my joy, some eight months passed. She used to serve me in my house. A man may think God sleeps, but God sees all. She wishes to dance with me on my wife's grave. And while she might, for I thought her softly. But now it is a whore's vengeance, Your Honor, and you must see it. After hearing the pleas of Proctor, and even Reverend Hale at this point, Danforth decides to bring in Elizabeth Proctor to be the final piece of evidence in this case. Therein lies the tragedy. As Elizabeth is questioned on the lechery of her husband, John Proctor, instead of telling the truth, Elizabeth lies with the purpose of preserving her husband's reputation and destroys any last chance John Proctor had of stopping the girls, freeing his wives, and saving himself. In the end, John Proctor finds himself accused of witchcraft. We are given to understand that at one time you dismissed your servant, Abigail Williams. That is true, sir. For what cause did you dismiss her? Look at me. She dissatisfied dis me, sir. In what way dissatisfied you? You will look she at me when I'm talking to you. Was she slovenly? Lazy? What disturbance did she cause? Your Honor, in, in that time I was sick and my husband is a goodly and righteous man, sir, but in my sickness you see I were very sick with my last baby, and I thought I saw him turning from me somewhat, and, and this girl... Look at me! Hi, sir, Abigail Williams. What of Abigail Williams? I came to think he fancied her. Did your husband indeed turn from you? My husband is a goodly man, sir. And he did not turn from you? He, uh, he did... Woman, look at me! To your knowledge, has your husband committed the crime of lechery? Answer me, is your husband the lecher? No, sir! Marshal, remove her. Elizabeth, tell the truth. She has spoken. Remove her. Elizabeth, I have confessed. Oh, God. She thought only to spare my name. Excellency, it is a natural lie to tell. I beg you, stop here before another is condemned. She has spoken nothing of lechery, and this man has lied. But I believe him. This girl, this girl has always struck me false. She has always... <laughs> Sometimes the line between the right and wrong choice is not clearly seen. John Proctor had more than one opportunity to speak the truth. Tragically, Elizabeth only had one. And when it came for her time to speak, she chose the wrong thing to say. And with this lie, she condemns her husband. But at this point of the play, Every time a character spoke, or didn't speak, sealed many fates. Act 3 of The Crucible definitely burned hot as it revealed more than it hoped for. At the moment, 
I'm Professor M. 